Welcome to Mom and Doc Talk, a podcast for health-conscious parents where you get the perspective of a mom and a dad who's also a pediatrician and pediatric emergency physician. Instead of Googling your way through parenting and hoping for the best, get trusted guidance and be the empowered, savvy, and decisive parent you know you can be. Sleep easy when you follow advice tested by doctors and tried by moms and dads. Here are your mom and dad hosts, Dr. Christopher Haynes and Azure Sullivan. Hey guys, welcome back to Mom and Doc Talk. Really excited about tonight's episode. And this is Dr. Chris. Hi everyone, Azure here. Tonight we're going to talk about picking a daycare. And Ooh, very good one. This is something that we have worked with parents and we have coached parents many, many times. Um, we do an assessment before we do parent coaching. And this is something that we do with babies all the way through grade school kids that are looking for aftercare. Um, so a lot of expertise with this, and we're going to go through lots of different questions you can ask. And let's start out with some of the operational stuff, Azure. Oh, good question. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I want to mention too, for everybody, this may be your first time thinking about childcare. This could be, you know, maybe your third daycare that you're thinking of changing into. Uh, whatever the case, especially now, a lot of people are going back to work because of COVID is kind of settling down, so to speak. And people are going back to work in the office. So their kids need to be, your kids need to go to some sort of childcare, babysitter at home, uh, regular daycare facility. And if you're not used to this and maybe your world has changed like a lot of us and you've, you know, your kids have not been to a daycare before, it is just a new place. It's very concerning to have a different person taking care of your child. You know, it's very concerning. You have all these questions. What if, you know, and we're here to kind of alleviate some of that with a lot of things we want to discuss and also to kind of get you in that the right track of how to start thinking about the great questions you should start asking the facilities and just really the direction you should start uh, start off when you want to place your child into daycare or if you're changing into daycares. And uh, that's kind of what we want to start. But yeah, Chris, Dr. Chris, you said operations. I, I would add to the last thing you said, you know, everything has changed. Yeah. I can't tell you a day that I don't have a child that's sent from a daycare with a possible COVID exposure. So it's something to think about. And we're going to talk about illness policies, operations, different programs, um, different styles and teachers. Um, but let's talk a little bit about operations. What are the keys, operational things that you need to ask about when picking a daycare? When Dr. Chris says that we're talking about you know types of daycare, location, cost, things like hours of operation, full-time, part-time, wait list, cleaning, sanitation, and we're going to kind of dive, dive into those. Um, the types of daycare, and I kind of mentioned this a little earlier, you know, you can have in-home care, you can have someone come to your home, which is more like a babysitter or a nanny, and you can also have the group daycare, which is very common, uh, you know, your traditional facility where you drop off your child and pick them up. I think the other thing to add is in there's actually a definition of what daycare is. And I ask this question all the time to parents. And it's important because when you're in daycare, we talk about infections and we've talked about this before. In an average year of life, a kid gets about eight to 10 viruses. If you're in daycare, you can double or triple that, right? My, yeah, kids, crazy. my kids used to cough literally from September through June. And 
one of the things we'll ask a parent is, is my kid in day, is your child in daycare? And they're like, no, they just go to somebody else's house. Mm-hmm. And well, it is daycare and daycare definition is if there are more than four kids in the same location. Mm-hmm. So you may think your child's not in daycare by doing an in-home daycare where there's three other kids and your child, your child's in daycare. And by the way, you know, if there is a situation where there are more than four children, it technically ha- that person has to be certified to house the number of children that they do have. And if they don't have that certification, then it's it's really wise to either not place your child with them or they need to be certified. The location is the next thing that we mention, and this could be, you know, uh, consider it, you know, the location when it comes to where you work and is it on your way to the bank that you go to every Tuesday morning or is it if you are co-parenting, is it between your other, uh, your child's other parent and thinking about location, not just where you live, but what is convenient for you, where is it on the way to common doctor's offices for your children's uh, doctors? Is it make it just make it convenient for you and something that works for your lifestyle? Yeah, I would agree. And certainly that's one perk of certain jobs too. Um, my job, I always had a daycare on site. Yeah, those are fantastic. We didn't, men- we didn't mention that, but that is something that is an o- also an option as well. Some some jobs do have in, I don't want to say in-home, but they have an at-place. On-site daycare. Yeah, on-site pl- and, daycare. You know, some of it, it's, it's more common, at least from my experience in, in the healthcare world, um, but it always doesn't work. So daycare is typically from you know 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. Um, it's very challenging for some of the nurses and some of the doctors because frequently they're working till 7 p.m. because they're working a 12-hour shift. So something to think about. And we'll talk more about hours in a little bit. Yeah, of course, cost is a very big topic for a lot of parents. Of course, you ha- a lot of people have to b- budgets and um, you know, depending on your budget, you can go to this daycare versus that daycare or childcare. Um, some people can just afford to have that at home nanny in uh, different scenarios. So it really varies based off of what you're looking for your budget. And to add to that, you know, cost is really, really important to think about. And I remember when my kids were young and this trade off between, you know, do you have mom stay home or dad stay home while the other parents working with the cost? You know, babies can cost $1,200, $1,400 a month. And, you know, it's really juggling. And, and how do you balance that as a parent? And that's something that you really need to think about. Yeah, definitely make a checklist. Talk with your, your partner, other parent, and discuss what's really going to work for you guys. This is really the kind of start to what direction you want to go in. Now, when it comes to the hours of operation, think about when what your schedule is like. Think about how how long you're going to be at work for or just away for. Maybe you just needed time to go grocery shopping and complete all your tasks for the day, even though it sounds impossible. Um, and think about all the things that you need to accomplish, whether that's you know work or regular activities, again. And those are the hours that you really desire to have your child being taken care of. And that could be, you know, full-time or part-time, you know, and inquire whether it's uh, at a facility or if it's with a nanny or whomever you decide to go with, decide on what hours work best for all of you and if that's part-time or full-time. And I would add that also, could you have a time where you might be late? 
um, certain professions. Mine, for instance, I can get stuck at work. So if it's oh, yeah. my turn to pick up a child and there's a trauma that comes in, I need a facility that's going to be more than flexible. And, you know, some places are not. Some people charge if you're late. Some people don't Oh, yeah, don't they'll allow charge by the five then, minutes. You know, and they'll, you do it twice and your child no longer has a place to go. Um, so something to think about with what what is your job like? You know, are you going to get stuck? Do you take a train to work where you might be late on the train or the train's delayed? So really looking for that flexibility and asking that question, are they flexible? Yeah, transportation is super important too. And this kind of blends in with holiday time. There are lots of, I mean, if you're, if you have older kids that go to regular school, you know that they have all these specific dates that they are off already, you know, to the start of the school year. You have, you know, I don't know. 20 dates that they're off and you need to know these things as well as you know whether it's a babysitter when do they want to not work on a holiday or at a daycare facility uh what holidays do they take off and you need to know these because sometimes i mean i had an instance where i chose a daycare and i totally forgot to ask them about their holiday schedule and they actually take off an entire week uh for the week of christmas and that wasn't my experience before this one. I had, they would just take off, you know, the Christmas Eve, the Christmas day, and maybe like if it was on a weekend, just those two days, but it wouldn't take, they wouldn't take off the entire week because we're still working that Christmas week, you know, and I still need some childcare. And that was a big drawback for me. If I had known that beforehand, I would not have chosen that daycare. And that made me very upset. And uh, there was also miscommunication with the paperwork as well, which I should have saw as a red flag. But I tell these people, you know, tell everybody that this is an experience I had so that you don't have to experience that. Make sure you know it ahead of time. Know when, you know, the late policy, the holiday policy, and if there's hours that change for summertime too. And if there's additional fees for summertime. I know that the one ca- uh, daycare that I had my daughter at, she, uh, her fee went up during the summertime because they did special events and that costs more money. So if that's something that doesn't work for you, you know, that's something you need to know up front. I think it's really important and I would stress the same thing when parents are looking for daycares and we've had parents that we've coached that have had similar issues. They've had issues with summer hours that have changed. They've had issues with holidays they didn't know. And, you know, through our experience and working with them as well, um, certainly these are things you want to really look at before you sign up for a daycare for your child. Yeah, and it goes back to the full-time or part-time thing as well. And the the fewer days that you have your child at a daycare, the cost actually goes up per day. So the longer you have them there the week, it actually justifies the cost a little bit more. The cost goes down per day. Makes sense, right? You buy rice in bulk, then the cost goes down per ounce, right? Same concept. So thinking about, you know, full-time, part-time, and there's actually – a lot of times a limitation, like a, min- a minimum of two days a week for daycare facilities. So keep that in mind as well. That's like the most part-time that you can go. And I would say, you know, it's a challenge for parents sending their children to daycare in the first place, right? So there's pluses and minuses, right? You know, when your child goes to daycare, what are the benefits? You know, the benefits are, you know, they're around other kids, they're socializing, they're learning how to speak, um, the negatives are you're dropping your child off somewhere, and that can be really challenging as a parent yeah. as well. Trusting another individual with your children is just a whole other feeling and emotion in itself. So, it, you know, it's a balance. And, you know, for me, looking back on my kids going up to daycare, I remember the first day where I dropped my daughter off and she cried for the entire time. 
<laughs> and, you know, she, you know, I cried leaving her and, you know, it was extremely traumatic and certainly parents have to try to balance. And this is something, whether you're a single parent or you're co-parenting or it's both parents, it's a lot of discussion, a lot of communication through all of these different factors. Yeah. And we can have an entire podcast on the pros and cons of just that and daycare. I, I think it's certainly important to at least have that concept and understand that, you know, there are positives to daycare as well as negatives. Oh yeah, absolutely. And of course, with go with going along that is the cleaning and sanitation and their process, especially now with COVID. How are they cleaning their classrooms? How are they keeping children safe from illnesses as much as we can, right? We you know, Dr. Chris, you said kids get so sick when they're at daycares, you know, more frequently, I should say. And how are how are we limiting exposure and whatnot? I think there's a couple things. One, you need to ask the facility how they sanitize. Do they sanitize toys after the end of the day? Do they sanitize them in between playing and in between groups? Mm-hmm. Uh, what do they do with diapers? Um, are they washing their hands adequately? Is there enough sanitation around? You know, you can pass a GI illness from one child to the next to the next if the person changing the diapers is not washing their hands. I mean, and and to say all that, everyone can yes you to death, of course. And I want to warn you about that is everyone can – you can go talk to the director and they can yes you to death is, oh, yeah, of course we do this. Yes, we take extreme precaution. We do this, this, and this. Well, I want to see it, you know, and, and I'll talk more about this in like the visitation time, but – you want to make sure that you are watching their language and their facial expression, not just over the phone, but really kind of looking at them and are they really believing what they're saying? And it gets into references and talking to other parents as well. Absolutely. Because you may hear one thing or see something on a website and it's not true. Um, I watched a daycare with a colleague where they changed their hours you know, midstream because they didn't have staff any longer because COVID. And it happens and I get it, but they made a decision to drop their hours from 7 p.m. The latest you could pick up your child to 5 p.m. That's a big, that's a big huge difference. deal. That's a huge deal. And, you know, now you're stuck if you want to pull your child out. And they actually had a commitment. They had committed to a, a full year. And that's something else you want to look at as well. Are you committed? Do you go month by month? Can you pull your child out? What do you what do you owe them if you decide you're going to pull your child out and you're not happy and put them in another daycare? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. And I just want to let you know that it's okay to not like a daycare. I just want to make that very clear. It's okay to have your child in for a month and you say, you know, this is not working as well as I anticipated. This just isn't what I thought it was going to be. Or they said this and it ended up being that. It is definitely okay to say, you know, I'm going to start looking for another daycare because we do feel badly. Our kids start developing relationships with the teachers and other children in their class and you feel badly almost kind of like a move from school to school so but it is okay it's very important that you are happy they're happy that's what's most important yeah i would also add the daycares that i experienced with my kids and through my colleagues you don't want to ever personally come to a daycare that you want your child to be that has a wait list but that might be a good thing if your child can get in because if there's a wait list Generally, the parents are pretty happy and the kids are pretty happy as well. And you also want to think, is your child coming home? Are they happy when they're coming home? Do they look happy? Do they look happy when they go off when you leave them there? Um, So they're all things to think about. I know we're kind of think we're 
mainly talking about before, you know, kind of getting you in that direction of how to choose. So like some of these things come after you've decided on the childcare, but definitely something to think about and plant into your brain of what to look for after you've decided on this daycare. I kind of want to change into more about the teachers, Dr. Chris, and, you know, talking to the directors and checking their credentials. Very important. Very, very important. And maybe if they're not a director and it's at, you know, an in-home care, talking with the person who owns the home and whatnot, you really want to get to know their credentials and their background, education, all of those types of things. Yeah, I mean, certainly there are people that have a lot of experience and may be fantastic. Um, but I think talking about facilities, you really want to look at the director's credentials. Do they have an educational background? Do they have early ed? Do they have childhood education? Do they have a master's? Um, these are the people that are going to be leading the other teachers. And, you know, certainly looking at the other teachers' qualifications are important as well. Yeah, you don't want to have that any of that overlooked. We also want to talk about the child-to-teacher ratio. Super important. We mentioned it earlier, you know, especially if at an in-home care. You want to make sure that the certain there's a certain number of children per teacher and that number goes down as the child is younger the ratio is smaller and because they need more you know infants need more care individualized care than you know let's say a four-year-old so the number of kids goes up per teacher as the age of the child goes up and you want to think about you know what is the age of your child sometimes people are thinking about daycare while they're pregnant which I think is a very important thing because as Dr. Chris mentioned sometimes a wait list could be nine months and if you have not done proper research and you might be stuck force yourself to kind of go to a different daycare facility that you did not intend to initially yeah, I would agree. And this is something we've actually helped people find daycares. And this is something I've done myself. I knew when I was pregnant, I said, oh, I know I need definite, you know, definitely a babysitter or a daycare. Sometimes daycares are harder when you have a newborn as we really stress that zero to three months rule of, you know, infection, illness and exposure. But it, it's something to really think about even beyond because those three months go by so quickly. Yeah, and we've had parents that we've worked with that are really stuck on two that they really like. And we've been able to help guide them through based on some of the things Oh, I love when they about. do that. I love when we <laughs> make that solidification. I really like that. Yep. The aha moment, as I will call it. Uh, another thing about the teachers and maybe the staff in general or people assisting is the turnover. Just like at any job, you would say, okay, what's the turnover here? I would walk in and I'd say, how many teachers are coming in and out of here in the last six months? I want to know because if there's a high turnover, then that might mean that teachers aren't happy there and there's something wrong. Yeah, I would agree 100%. I, I also think one of the things we've not touched on is visiting and really going in and not just a planned visit, but a drop-in visit. The surprise visits are the best and that's something I wanted to talk about. Yeah. Have you done that? I have. Oh, yes. And how did that go? Uh, they are very surprised. They're just, they look like, you know, almost like... If I walked into someone's home and they're kind of talking to me with a very fake, big smile, but kicking laundry under the bed kind of thing, like, oh, yeah, 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 hi, welcome. It's like, okay, yeah, I know, you know, I got you on the tip of your toes here. It's definitely something you need to do. I do have uh, a great story for you. So when I was changing daycares for my daughter, I was, you know, looking at a very specific school and I called them. It was a very busy time for them. I think it was like before the summer started and... The, the, the people that were answering the phone, receptionists, I'm not sure who, uh, maybe director's assistants, and 
they were answering the phone. They sounded very busy and like they had were juggling a lot of things. And I said, I was very interested. I had researched your school and I wanted some more information as there's not a lot on your website, which I will tell you, they purposely don't put a ton of information on their website because they want you to reach out to them. And then they will acquire all your information, you know, child's name, date of birth, because they want to know the age and then your name and information. And email address. And email address, which is fine, which is fine, right? But they will not give you information unless you give them your information. Totally okay. Anyway, so I was saying, you know, I want more information. Can you please provide it to you? And they immediately pushed me into a virtual meeting or not meeting, but a tour. And I said, well, that kind of doesn't really help me because although that sounds wonderful and I would like a tour at some point I don't really want it super planned and I also want to know more information cost you know you know time part-time I want to know what the options are what kind of schedules your children the children that they were working with like what what's the program like I didn't really have much information on that and that's really that's what really helps me whittle down to do a tour like I'm not going to waste an hour of my time doing a tour when I don't even know any of the background information this woman pushed me pushed me and said oh well we're gonna have to print out the documents and then scan them and send them to you and she didn't say this in a very nice way and I'm thinking well if you don't have paperwork available for me or even electronic documentation to send to me then I don't think that you're process is as smooth as I'd like it to be so that turned me off immediately so your child didn't go to that day and then also the person said oh well the you know graduation's coming up there's a lot going on we'll we'll, we'll email you and I'm like mm, that's not how you handle business especially you know parents like what if I was a, a brand new parent trying to drop my child off to this person I wouldn't feel safe at all I don't feel any trust I don't feel any like confidence in them I just felt they handled it the wrong way and perhaps I you know let's play devil's advocate I caught them on the worst day maybe that woman was having a bad day I try to think about those things but it really wasn't a good a good positive experience for me to want to go to that daycare no she didn't go to that daycare so those things I I think are really important to think about kind of getting their that's like kind of their body language through the phone, if you will, and feeling them out. But definitely the drop-by visits are a big thing. Definitely get the information you need, but then show up and say, I, you know, I'm a possible, my child might want to come here and I really want to know. I want to see it. I want to go on a tour. And a lot of times they will allow you, um, COVID aside, they'll let you in. And do they answer their phone? And do, do they, they answer And, and the sometimes phone? they're really busy and I get that. But do they call back in a timely fashion? Um, I remember having an issue with the director where I needed to call the director and I didn't hear back for four or five days. That's so crazy. And, you know, you're dealing with an issue that is, I wouldn't say it was an emergency, but it's an urgency from our perspective. Um, so do they, do they communicate well? Yeah, of course. So the, these are the things that super important need to think about. And, you know, again, the program, the program's daily schedule, that usually incorporates, you know, what they're eating, when the nap time is, sometimes a whole schedule of the snacks that they provide or not provide, and if you can bring food and such, and do they go outside and whatnot. And, and education. What education are they doing? What is their educational philosophy? And one thing I want to add um, before we really talk about the program is most states, for you to be a child care worker, um, you are required to get a child abuse background check. 
um, and and an FBI check. So that's something that you want to make sure that you ask. Um, are they? Do they all have child abuse clearance? Um, as physicians that take care of children, we have to get them as well. So really, really important. Well, that leads me into the next topic of safety then. And I'd okay. love for you to comment on, you know, do you, what do they have as their, their, their emergency plan? You know, what if the ha- a child has to go to the emergency department, CPR, all these things? I'm kind of directed towards you. It's pointing gonna, to it's, you. It's certainly going to vary, and it's something you should ask. You know, are are they are they ready to deal with an emergency? Do they have an AED or um, do they know CPR? Um, is someone at all times in the building trained with CPR? Do they know how to deal with choking? First aid uh, kit. You know, do they have a first aid kit? Do they know how to deal with anaphylaxis? You know, it's not uncommon these days to have children with nut allergies or or allergies where they could have a full-blown allergic reaction. Or get stung by a bee outside. And, and you know, other things are, you know, do they have age-appropriate toys in that area? Are they choking hazards? Do they have electrical safety covers? Have they child-proofed their daycare? I know that sounds crazy, people, but, like, You'd be surprised. Like, if you saw some of the things I've seen in daycares, you'd be really surprised. It doesn't surprise me. <laughs> I, I've had kids like come in from. I've had kids come me, in with day, from daycares with choking accidents. It's just like crazy. Like had, this is what you do for a job. Like I, had, I don't understand. I had one kid who who stuck a metal piece into an electrical outlet in a daycare. Um, so how does that happen? I don't know. Um, but these are the questions, and you really want to go in. With the checklist, which if you email us, we will send you our checklist. Um, it's available in our in our classes as well, and we give it to our, our parents that we coach as well. Um, so other things you need to think about as well, and this has become more and more of an issue. Um, I will never forget when my son was in middle school, and I got the email that said my son's school was on lockdown and there was a possible active shooter. And our world is kind of... It's happening more and more, unfortunately. But does the daycare have either an active shooter training? Do they have a lockdown policy? How do they communicate with you? Have they drilled it? You know, we just had this happen in Texas. And, you know, it's something that everyone's thinking about right now. And also, who can come pick your child up? How do you get into the daycare? Oh, the safety of getting into a daycare is super important, everyone. Like, it is very, you know, have a PIN access code. You know, there needs to be cameras. Ask them what their policy is on that and how they parents just come in. The other thing I like to think of is, you know, I open the door for my child's daycare and someone comes in behind me. The assumption is, oh, you're another parent. They could be coming in, scoping out the place, and you don't have any idea. Or stealing children. There's or stealing children. That have children. Been kidnapped and well, taken. yeah, scoping out the place to find out the weaknesses, and they're coming in, and you know, I, you need to ask questions. Who's monitoring the door? Yeah, Are I, they familiar faces? You know, these things they need to know, and you know, this goes into you know accreditation. We talked about this a little bit, you know, especially in home cares. You know, accreditations, you know, state, county, license. Um, there is a National Associate Association of the Education of the Young. You know, these are things you need to look into and and what how they are licensed. It's certainly important to think about accreditation and licensing. And, you know, as anything that happens in an emergency department, we see it all. Uh, we had one child who came in one time with a febrile seizure, which is a seizure from a fever. And we were trying to piece together the details. We couldn't get, there wasn't a director. 
There wasn't at least a director on site. No one really came with the child, which normally when there's an illness or an injury in either a school or a daycare, that director comes with the child, you know, in lieu of the parent until the parent gets there. Uh, this child showed up on their own. And next thing you know, we heard that police was out at the daycare. And the police finally came in and told us that this was a um, adult establishment, also known as a strip club, um, during the evening and was converted to a daycare during the daytime. And there was, they had exceeded occupancy. I think there were 40, 50 kids. Oh my gosh. And there were two staff members supervising. So, you know, probably the parents, and I remember talking to this parent, they had no idea that it was something different at night than in the daytime. They had no idea that it wasn't accredited. Um, so really something to think about when you're picking Research, when you're look picking into it, all of this stuff. Uh, and this goes into the accreditation, a part of like your research too, Google reviews and word of mouth. Again, we talked to, you know, go in and ask a parent, hey, can I, can you just tell me about this place really quick? I, I was thinking about bringing my child here. Can I ask you a couple of questions? A lot of times parents will always say yes. They say, of course, I would love to tell you that my child loves it here. I love it here. Or no, you know what? I'm actually thinking of transferring my child out, you know, and they'll be honest with you and you need those honest views. Those are really, really, really big things that I, I look into, especially when I do my drop-in visits, which I love so much. And I and I would ask them for references. Sometimes you can get biased references when you ask. Um, the other thing I would use is certainly Facebook groups, uh, moms and dads groups, and ask them. You know, if you're new to an area and you're not sure, uh, we hear this about schools all the time. What's a good school? What's a good pediatrician? How do I pick the pediatrician? Um, same thing, you know, use the people around you. Um, do your homework. Use us if you want. Um, lots of different ways that you can work through this. And kind of going into a little bit more of what they do, you want to know their approach to not only the education, but their discipline. And that's a big thing. I remember so many times of, you know, my daughter saying, oh, like, or not my daughter, but the the director emailing me like, oh, your kid has, uh, there's a report that if something happens, whether she skinned her knee, got stung by a bee, or a kid bit her, I was getting this uh report by two children that had bit her and uh they're not allowed to tell you if it was the same child they're not allowed to tell you a lot of information about this kid because they don't want you getting upset and kind of going after the family which i totally respect but they don't give you a lot of information such that you know how do we make this stop and this is goes for parents too you guys that you know if you play with your children but you pretend to bite them this can really lead to bad habits at school and they a lot of times do not take well to this biting is a very big no-no and especially if you have reoccurring events of your child biting another child they will get uh, expelled so to speak They'll, you'll get pushed out of the uh, the course and of the class and it's very important to train your kids to not bite even when you're playing and because you know in the situation of mine this I think it was the same child but had bit attempted if not had their mouth on her to bite her twice and it's just unacceptable but you get a written report and you both discuss on how to make this better um and you know that those are policies about discipline and how they handle maybe a a crying child or an upset child or child that's hitting child that's punching uh we see that all the time we have kids brought to the er if they've been hit um not by a teacher by another, another student 
Um, so you're absolutely right. The biting and how do they deal with it? You know, what are they dealing? How are they dealing with it real time? What are they doing with that child that has misbehaved? What if it's your child that's misbehaved? Um, ask them ahead of time how they deal with those scenarios. And I have noticed a lot of times that parents who've, who, uh, the children of the parents who've misbehaved, like the punching, kicking, biting, you know, the parents get defensive, like, oh, my child would never do that, or we don't do that at home, I don't understand. I mean, a lot of times you know your kid, you know what they do, and you know their actions, you need to be honest with yourself and say, you know what, yeah, we do play fight or play hit at home, or we they do have outbursts and they do they do have aggression. How can I fit, you know, really talk with these teachers or the director, whomever, and be honest and open and just say, you know, how can we alleviate this? And you just need to be, just be honest, really. Uh, I agree 100%. I want to go back and you had brought up the comment about meals and snacks. And yeah. one of the questions you want to ask is, how do they deal with those? How do they deal with their meals and snacks? And how do they deal? I'm going to take this from a medical perspective. What about a child who has celiac and can't have grains, can't have gluten? Um, what do they do? Uh, what do they do with nut allergies? We talked a little bit about anaphylaxis and allergies. There are, it's become a little more to the forefront. And certainly younger kids are getting introduced to nuts and peanut butter earlier over six months. So it's going to happen more often. Also, can I bring my food for my child if I want to um, so that you're not giving it and it's not a risk? Yeah, some people actually, or some facilities, they do make the meals for you entirely. Correct. And it's really important if your child has some sort of food allergy um, or has a sensitivity and really asking ahead of time. You don't want to sign up for a daycare only to find out that they only do their own meals. And I remember, you know finding a daycare near where I was going skiing for my child and that person made the meals. If my child had had allergies, I would have had to address that very, very quickly. Yeah, of course. So sometimes it's like super beneficial, like those nice little snacks throughout the day really help. Then you just make like a quick lunch and it's it's very nice. You also want to know portion control. There has been a time at that one previous daycare I didn't like that I noticed I walked in to pick her up early and they were feeding her large portions of things that I, I was like, I don't understand. You're giving her like three serving sizes of, you know, like this chip or this apple. And, and you know, that's just not what I'm okay with. So yeah, I'm okay with the snack, but I'm not okay with the amount or the quantity that you're providing to her. So that was definitely a letter to the director from me and thinking about that. But you know, it's something that they don't, I don't know if they, they think that they're overfeeding them either. So it's something that you kind of almost have to catch or, you know, monitor, really ask these questions of how they're portioning out these snacks or foods. Look, honestly, that wouldn't be different for much of our society. Um, You know, we have an overweight problem in our society and a lot of that is around portion control and choices and, you know, certainly. Yeah, unfortunately. You want your child to be healthy. You're going to have to have that discussion with them. Yeah, just be open, honest, say, hey, you know, I'm not cool with X, Y, Z. And that's something you can move on, move from then on. And a couple other things that I want to mention before I forget, you know, um, the communication between the director, the teacher, all of these people, there's a lot of moving parts. So what is the communication like? Is there an app? A lot of times, every, you know, there's, a lot of people are using apps now. There, you know, you access on your phone, you can see the the newest snapshot of your kid playing outside, 
or the meal that they ate or the last time they went to the bathroom, all these things. Or live video. Live video. Yeah, that was the next thing I was going to say. Sometimes you can like have live video where you can um, you can tune in and watch your child. You know, that really helps a lot of people who are concerned about safety. And the app I love because you're getting real-time information and it's updated frequently and you can see how your kid is doing. And communication policy also associated with things that are going on and during the day. Uh, there was some times that, you know, I was frequently sending my child uh, to daycare with, you know, things in her bag for school and they weren't coming home and they were properly labeled with her name. Believe you me, I labeled everything. Bag, you know, down to the socks, you Surprises know, almost. Me. <laughs> and a lot of things were missing. And I, and I'd even put like a message in the app, like, oh, she went to school with purple sunglasses and then just didn't come home with them, but they were labeled. And, you know, it frustrated me because they kind of wrote it off like, oh, it is just sunglasses. I get it, but that's not the point. The point is, what else am I going to bring with me to bring her to school with just so that she can enjoy it for a little while and then not come home with it? That's just not, you know, it's unfortunate. And it also is, it kind of makes me more reluctant to participate in the activities for the schools or the day at school because if I'm, you know, they have splash days where, you know, you wear a little swimsuit and a beach towel and then she doesn't come home with a beach towel. Like, what do you, I don't understand. So the communication is, you know, if you're emailing them and, you know, the teachers keep misplacing things or telling you there's an issue with, you know, I, I mean, there was, she had extra clothes that I had labeled too. And they kept saying, oh, she doesn't have them here. She had to use another child's clothes. And I'm thinking, I labeled everything. There's some kind of disconnect, and I'm not happy with it. This was going on frequently, and that's also re- another reason why I changed daycares. But, like, a lot of this doesn't come out until, you know, much later after, after your kid is in intertwined into the school, unfortunately. So these are things, again, to look out for. And if they continue to happen, that maybe that isn't the right place. But those things really did annoy me that she was – I think they lost, like, six things in the first two months of her going there. And it was very unacceptable in my, my perspective. I would also say that we're kind of out of the woods with COVID, but we're not out of the woods with COVID. And – one of the things that's really important, and you talked earlier about a bite and not that child not being identified. And very similar to what we have in healthcare, there's a HIPAA Act, which is a privacy act where we can't share patient information. There's also, I believe it's called FERPA, and it's an educational privacy act where they can't share information either. And you know, one of the things that you're going to, and I'm sure if you're, you have older children that are in daycare, or you've been through it or school, it was almost every day where you were getting communication around your child's been exposed to COVID or they were third removed from a child exposed to COVID or they were exposed to hand, foot, and mouth. Um, This is really why the communication is also really important so that you know what to look out for, uh, what's going on besides the day-to-day. Oh, yeah. Like we need to know. And also not just the communication process, but like how quickly they're reaching out to you after you've reached out to them or if there was an issue of some sort. You want to know that there's like a seamless yeah, four line. Days, four days after they're exposed to COVID, uh, yeah. you, got, you got an email? Absolutely. I mean, there was a time where my child, I received like almost that exact email and they had said, I can't remember off the top of my head, is a while ago, but they had said something along the lines of, oh, your kid can return back after I don't know, let's say 20 days. And by that 20 day mark, I was reaching out to them and I said, can you please remind me like what specific day? Was it the day of the 20th or like that 20th day or was it like day 21? And they're like, oh, uh, she actually could have came back 
five days before that with like this kind of test, this, this and that. And I said, I, I'm confused because I was getting this email from someone else who was telling me like, you know, a different, it was just all scattered and it was just the craziest thing. No one knew what they were talking about. That's a really good transition back to illness policy a little bit. And I would say my experience is parents tend to be very frustrated with illness policies of daycares. That they, of course. They, no, I, I understand it. And there's a balance, right? You know, my child's sick again. So it's this it's this catch-22. I, I need to work and I need to put my child in daycare. But they're sick. But they're going to get sick no, and I'm going to miss work. No, I can't work. And I can't tell you the number of parents who I've talked to. So, you know, if I miss another day of work, I'm going to lose my job. But my child can't go back. And they're begging me for notes to go back to school. And what I found is that they vary by daycare. So each daycare has their own rules. And I know that sounds crazy, but it's so true. I, I don't know why. I don't understand why. Yeah, I don't know why um, there's not why there's a know, variation. You know, generally you'll ask us and we know when a child can return. A child can return after twenty four hours of fever. Uh, we have kids that get kicked into the ER all the time. You know, parent was called, the child had a cough, and they're sent to the emergency department. Well, but your child's coughing more than the rest of the class is coughing? Like, where does that where does that judgment happen? And it just seems sometimes to be a little bit random. And, you know, I think that goes back to talking to the staff, talking to other parents, trying to figure out what they do in these different situations. Because you don't want, you know, your child goes to a new, new daycare, they're exposed, they're, you know, it seems like when my kids were young, every Tuesday, Wednesday, they come home with a new illness. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I knew my daughter's schedule right away. I'm like, well, she finished school three days ago. She has a cough at right on time. Yeah, and, and that's also something that you need to deal with your significant other or partner. You know, what what are you going to do if you're co-parenting? Um, how do you deal with sick days? And how do you deal with missing daycare? Um, so it's something that needs to be a, a discussion ahead of time. Their policy, I would look at it and ask for it in writing ahead of time. Yeah, we go through a lot of that with our coaching process of really a lot of ways to accommodate the issues that Dr. Chris just mentioned. And of course, you know, super important. I, we've all been there. I've been there, especially the day where I think this is the day I'm going to have a really great day. And then I walk into my kid's room and she obviously is sick with something or vomiting. And I'm like, OK, this is great. Fantastic. It's, it's 104 fever two yeah. hours later. It's it's there's always something. And there's, you know, <laughs> I want to say there's no surprises being a parent but at the same time you know <laughs> expect the unexpected really and going back to before i forget the nap situation and the schedule uh i i, I want to be able to take a nap too <laughs> i want to take a nap right now actually <laughs> i think i think we all want naps during our work day uh but the napping situation another thing that really assisted me with choosing the daycare was when she took a nap because I, you know, I gave my child a nap at, you know, let's say noon. It was like 12, 15, right? And it, it kind of varied. I just like when she was a little older, it, diff it changed a little bit. But when they took a nap, so I saw a couple of years, I didn't take naps until like 1.30. And I'm like, that's, if I'm dropping her off at 7.30 in the morning, 1.30 is, to me, that was way too late for her. She was not on that schedule and it would mess everything up. So then this other, this other school was like, 12 o'clock then there was like a 12 30 they all vary but really what works for you and how they facilitate that nap for them too like sometimes you'd think well how is my kid gonna sleep in a group of other kids you know they they actually do really well surprisingly and like the nap the mat situation and rubbing their back and what they do really 
I think what you're also getting at is that if they're going to daycare five days a week, that becomes their schedule. Yeah, absolutely. It changes your home schedule. So if they're napping at 1230 every day at daycare, well, most likely you're going to be napping at 1230 on Saturday and Sunday as well um, if they're at that age. And certainly meals, the same thing. You know, my kids are older. And, you know, my son, I remember his first year of high school was eating at 11 o'clock or 1030 every morning. It was his lunch. And junior year, he was eating at 145 in the afternoon. Um, I don't understand how that works. And he was nearly eating his shoes by the time he <laughs> got to lunch um, as a near 18-year-old boy. Um, but think about that impacting your life. Yeah. I kind of go back to the wedding dress phenomenon. Like, make... The analogy, as I like to say, is, you know, everyone says, oh, the wedding dress should fit you. You don't fit the wedding dress. Right. And uh, you're asking the wrong person. Uh, no, no, I'm not. I'm telling you that the wedding dress should fit you. If you guys you. saw the look on my face. and <laughs> It's the same concept with daycare. The schedule should really fit your child's schedule and not the other way around. Unless you're being flexible and say, you know, it doesn't matter. I'm within, okay with changing reason. it. Within, within reason. reason. So that's kind of the thing I really want to mention is really focusing on what what matches your child's already previous schedule or established schedule. And if you're you're okay with being flexible, then that opens your options a little bit more. But that's something to think about. And, and always use your gut. Your gut's always going to be right. You know, oh. do, do your homework. Use your gut. That's like the last thing I was going to say. That was like the summary is the gut always tells the truth really that's go with your gut your instinct super important and a couple few things before we before we wrap up here uh potty training potty training potty training a lot you know depending on the age of your kid um and you know the the what age your child is potty training i should say or starting to potty train uh, is very detrimental to your actual your child being potty trained at home and for instance, you know, I was potty training my child. She was pretty young, but she was doing super well. But she was in a class. She's that six month old. That was <laughs> she was trained. a six month. She definitely was actually before she could walk. Fantastic. Okay. And she was in a class that you know proper age group, right? But she was just had a little head start on some things. And I asked them about potty training, and they said, "Oh, well, we have to move her in a different room frequently, but we won't be asking her to go to the bathroom often." And I'm thinking, well, how am I going to get her to potty train if you're not if you're only asking her every three hours? That's not going to help me. And we trialed it, and it just wasn't working out. So I said, you need to move her to a new class to accommodate this because this is some, not working with our home regimen. And did it work then? And then it started working, yeah. And but she was just ended up being younger, which I didn't really like. She was pretty young compared to the other kids, but they were more accommodating for me, which I liked. But the potty training was a big thing because if I'm working my butt off at home for potty training and then it's just not working at school she's just going to be untrained everything that i just did she's going to reverse it's going to be reversed at school yeah absolutely and it's it's and think about your reward system if you give your child a chocolate chip every time they go to the bathroom they don't do that at schools a lot of schools do not do that because they consider it leaving another child out if a, if other kids sees that she's getting a chocolate chip they will want one and they will not do that for you. So think about how you're rewarding them and how they will manage that as well. Yeah, I would I would say that rewards are important. And again, it goes back to what fits you, fits your child. And I, I also think it's important to not only talk about facilities, but to talk a little bit about 
the home daycares yeah, as the well. Yeah, in-home daycares. And we have lots of parents that we work with that have either go to someone's home or they have someone come to them with a nanny or a babysitter. Um, what are the things that we've coached them about? We definitely want to have them ask questions about the place itself. You know, who else lives there? There are other people living there. What is, what's the size of the family? Do they have a location segregated just for the child care? Or is it like literally in their home and living room? Because that's a safety issue. There's a lot of things that you need to know, like location. Is it attached to a garage? Is it in the garage? Is it, you know, these are, some of these questions might sound quite crazy, but, you know, I've seen it all. And, you know, safety questions. Are there any pets? And, you know, is there anyone else going to be stepping in briefly to care for the child while that person might be going to the bathroom you know is it just one person how many is it and the max number of kids that they're allowed to have and look into that and I guess that again that goes part of the certification policies and these are just a couple of the many topics that go aside with uh, you know daycares in-home babysitting nanny all those things and in our parent coaching courses we really go in depth with everything and really help you choose but this is kind of briefing over really getting you in that good direction, feeling comfortable about even where to start or how to transition, many other things. Again, this information is available in our online classes. Again, parent coaching courses. If you know you wanted that checklist to kind of summarize a lot of things that we go through with our parent coaching, I could definitely send that to you. We can send it to you. Email us, info at blueemeraldwellness.com. Definitely happy to send that over to you. And you know, we covered a lot today, a lot of information and great stories, Dr. Chris. Thanks for that. And, um, it's always a pleasure. Yeah, I thanks love them. Thanks for listening. I love the Yeah, so thanks for listening. Um, we'll see you the next podcast. Again, send your questions in, comments, everything that, you know, concerns or, you know, definitely follow us, us, follow us on social media and reach out to us. We'll reach back to you. Have a great evening and see you next time. That's all for today's episode. Thank you for joining our Mom and Doc Talk. Did any questions come up while you were listening? Share your questions with Dr. Christopher and Azure by visiting www.blueemeraldwellness.com. You can also connect with them on Instagram at WeAreKidsHealthSecrets. Don't forget to rate the show on iTunes or Spotify so we can continue answering your most pressing kids' health and parenting questions. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode of Mom and Doc Talk. The content of this podcast, the opinions and information provided by the co-host and guests are for educational purposes only and should not replace the care provided by your child's physician. If you or your child is ill or having an emergency, please call 911 or seek care immediately.